the Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents Worldview Media Podcast, where Gordon and Joyce Runyon view popular media through the lens of the biblical five-point covenant model to help believers appreciate and apply principles of exciting narrative and engaging storytelling. Coming to you live from the teenage bedroom of Teenage Groot. <laughs> it's the Worldview Media Podcast. Hooray! Part of the Reconstructionist Radio Network, the one-stop audio shop for all your dominionizing needs. Ah, yes. And I nailed it that time. <laughs> it only took you one take. <laughs> that anybody knows. <laughs> okay, so I'm your host, Gordon Runyon, and with and I'm me... I'm his wife, Joyce. Well, oh. <laughs> there you go. I was going to introduce her, but she said it. How are you, Mom? Doing all right? Doing all right. And also we have middle daughter, Jordan, with us. Hello. Hello. And we're here to talk about Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 2. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so in this first segment, what we like to do is give some overall impressions and if there's something in particular that we liked a lot about the movie or things that we don't, don't think worked as well, this mm-hmm. first segment is the time to speak on those things. Mm-hmm. Hey, who wants to go first? Jordan, you got anything? Well, I thought it was, uh, I thought it was real funny. I thought uh, I thought that it was nice to have a lot of focus on the characters and stuff, and kind of learn more about everybody. And uh, yeah, I I liked all that stuff. Little baby Groot, oh man. <laughs> he kind of stole the show. Yeah, he's he's a good one. I think I like baby Groot more than I like a uh, original adult Groot from the first movie. Oh yeah, he's way cuter. He's as, way he's way more yeah. fun to watch on screen. Right. Yeah. I think that's right. Probably wasn't voiced by Vin Diesel in this movie. He was. Really? Yeah. Vin Diesel voiced yep, Baby Groot. Yep. Were you? You? It was right there in the in the credits. Wow, I missed and that. We even watched it. Vin Diesel they must as have, like, Baby fed Groot. Him helium or something. <laughs> <laughs> He's just a very committed actor. <laughs> I guess. I guess. All right. Well, Mom, do you have anything in particular that you liked about it, or? I like the characters. I thought there were some problems with some of the plots, maybe not as hearty as they could have been. I really didn't care for a lot of the music that they had in volume oh, yeah. two. I don't know uh, where they were finding this. I don't know who listened to it. If yeah, you did, let me know because I was unfamiliar with some of <laughs> yeah, that stuff. Yeah. I don't think this soundtrack will sell as well as the first one. Yeah, the no. first one was so good. And it, I feel like it had more songs that people just knew right. already, you know? Yeah. And this one, it, like, a new song would come on, and I'd be like, uh, um, all right then. I don't, really, <laughs> I don't know. I really like this song. Yeah. <laughs> Who is this? Was this right. really from then? Yeah. So, yeah, I think probably the music, I don't know, did they just knock it out of the park the first time, and there was nothing left from that? They used all the good music. <laughs> There was only 12 songs. (laughs) I don't know. Ah, Some of it was familiar, but um, I just think the the quality was... Not quite as good. Yeah. Yeah. Lesser known, at least to me. 
So the first movie seemed like it's this space comic book adventure with a lot of comedy thrown in. And yeah. Kind of seemed like this was more a comedy with some space adventure stuff thrown in. Seemed like they really went heavy on the comedy aspect. And for me, most of it worked. I thought it was a funny movie. Yeah, it was, it was real funny, I thought. I was laughing the whole time. Maybe they had yeah. so much comedy because there was so much heartache. Well, it was. Yeah. it is definitely a more emotional <laughs> plot than... Yeah than uh, the first one. So that amount of comedy, and we talked about that in my screenwriting class, how you gotta balance stuff. And if you make something really funny, then those poignant moments will be even more poignant because it, it was just funny and what are you doing? You're killing me and right. that kind of thing. You're really killing me! <laughs> well, you know, you're probably right about that. There was a lot of, there was a lot of kind of deep stuff going on character-wise. Mm -hmm. And Mom mentioned that she didn't like all of the plot points and I think you're talking about the main plot with the bad guy and his plan to destroy the galaxy. That yeah. wasn't really all that great. Yeah. Well, and then you had the two different bad guys. Or maybe it was three, because the Guardians were kind of bad, and then the people they were helping had to go bad because they went bad, and then there's the guy who comes to save them. But wait, is he bad? <laughs> I think he is. Right, so most of the... <laughs> Most of the subplots were very character-driven, and and I kind of liked all those. Yeah. I'm with you. I didn't think the main threat plot was all that strong. Yeah, I think I agree with that. It was mostly, it was more about the relationship stuff that happened. And ma meanwhile, you have to deal with this other big, like, galaxy threat. But that's not the point of the movie, you know? Like yeah. like, yeah, they have to save the galaxy, but it's like the background thing to, like, they have to work out all their actual, like, issues. Yeah, yeah. right. Well, and then the way they save the galaxy is not the way you think it is from the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. So there's that little twist in there as well that kind of changes. Yeah, sure. and I felt like there were some neat things, like the whole theory that now we've run into this race that when they're waging war in outer space, it's all with kind Remote. of drones. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like they're playing video games and yeah. stuff. Which is interesting, but I think we're really heading toward completely unmanned uh, warfare. Mm. And if you have the ships that can go out and do that, why not just have them target the enemies? And, well, you know. I think that's the thing about like how you can't program a machine to have the human instinct and reaction and stuff and like huh. well that that's a that's a thing that people are like always debating about with these unmanned things is can you program a computer to hit the target to do well it can hit the target <laughs> but is it gonna think the way that a human pilot would think if they came across this situation and were like oh i could actually do this thing and that might be more successful than what is the obvious thing uh, yeah. <laughs> so well about a human Disobeying a direct order? <laughs> yeah. No, I mean like being creative about how you solve a yeah, problem. And improvising in Improvision. the moment. But I still think that's the way we're headed. Artificial intelligence and all that. But it was kind of cool. You got all these pilots that are just in their like video game. Yeah, bubble. like an arcade thing. That was yeah. kind of fun, I thought. It was comfy, though. Yeah. And I liked how they would all kind of cheer for each other. Like when it was down to that one last guy right. and they're all huddled up there. And then he gets blown up and, ah, oh, turn. Well, some of my favorite bits of the movie, I really thought the extra Drax 
stuff was all good, and I'm, I was a little bit surprised. I'm not terribly familiar with Batista, but uh, I really thought he did a good job in terms of just handling the extra workload and all that. Yeah, yeah, I thought he was really good. I and liked I liked all the interactions that he had with that mantis. <laughs> oh, right. Right. <laughs> About his like being all frank and and just yeah, you're hideous. <laughs> right. And just she really good with it. And though. she just and she just like okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice. Thank you. And the funniest part of the movie for me though was uh, Rocket making fun of Taser Face. <laughs> That was that, that was, was a really a good funny one. scene. I thought really good. Oh man, that's so funny. And then Taserface being all still trying to <laughs> you still trying keep to pull on. It off yeah, after that. yeah. Well, I guess you got to be careful when you name give yourself your own nickname. <laughs> yeah, that's rough. That's rough. <sighs> Doesn't ever work. You never get nicknamed something as cool as you like would Big Shooter yourself. or something. Right. Big Shooter. <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy. Right. That didn't work. <laughs> didn't really catch on. <laughs> well, okay. you got to try, though. Anything else? Anything you liked or didn't like or plot points or anything? Uh, well, it was nice to see, I think Jordan mentioned all the character, uh, kind of more backstories about their past and oh, yeah. why they're like they are now and interacting with each other and it's just uh i really think it was more about the characters than yeah the, than the conflict definitely. yeah definitely and that was nice and it worked i think it worked yeah know? i think so dad was saying about how it's like a like on star trek when when star trek is really good you have the problem that's sort of the plot of the episode or the movie or whatever and then but that's not the real meat of the story it's yeah. about the characters and them figuring out their own relationship stuff and about themselves and mm -hmm. and how they how they are as a team and all this stuff so that was cool right right i actually think that's the secret sauce to why harry potter was so successful too everybody wants to pin it on magic or or whatever but i I feel like the books would have been just as successful if it hadn't been magical, if it had just been these three friends at like a boarding school that was old and mysterious or something like that. Right. With mysteries to solve. I feel like it would have been just as as uh, interesting, just the characters, I felt like, is what carried that mm -hmm. series. Okay, we're ready for a break then? Yes. Sounds to me like we are. <laughs> so we'll have our break and then we'll talk more worldview issues. The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology. Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, and we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows, or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where all of the content we produce, including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit 
reconstructionistradio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His kingdom. And we're back from the bedroom of Teenage Groot and all the amazing posters he has on the walls. Yeah. And... Yeah. (laughs) Where did he get them? (laughs) Is that a forest scene? (laughs) It's lovely. (laughs) Are they big red buttons? Wait, is that tree naked? (laughs) Groot! (laughs) This is for another podcast. Okay, so... We're here to talk about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, and we want to look more at worldview-related themes and how those things are preached in the movie and, and what kind of messages are being relayed. So, Jordan, what do you have for us? Uh, well, I think probably one of the biggest themes that, that you kind of can see in the movie is this idea of, like, a reconciliation of people like, you know... <laughs> Like, yes. Well, like, you got Peter Quill and and his father, Ego, Ego. who we meet in this movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, can we talk about spoilers in this section? Uh, yeah, we are going to talk about spoilers. If you haven't seen it yet, tread on at your own risk. Okay, well, and his father, Ego, who turns out to be bad, so that whole reconciliation thing doesn't work out. But, like, also, you see it with all these other characters, too, with... Uh, uh, Nebula and Gamora, they kind of are struggling to get something figured out, reconciling, and they don't quite get there, but it's, they're on that, they're trying to get to that point, I feel like. And right. Well, I think they have a better understanding Yeah. of the other's perspective. And then even, well, even other characters, too, mm-hmm. and, and like Peter and, and Yondu, mm-hmm. they kind of have, they come to a, a better understanding of each yeah. other, and they're able to reconcile, and then Yondu and the Ravagers and Yandu and that uh, his little sidekick guy who betrays him, but then comes back and and, yeah. and they reconcile and even Rocket. Rocket with the rest of them at the end because he'd been kind of a jerk in the beginning and now he feels bad and they all have to you know so, so reconciliation just like completely out of reconciliation stuff or what's going on with him? Well, <laughs> did he ever reconcile with somebody? I don't Maybe think that he ever just, really had a. They they came to where wait, they did were. he wind up being nice to Baby Groot? And Baby Groot had been uh, like, kind of scared of him or something. I don't remember that. I, no, there was nothing like that. I don't think so. <laughs> I was thinking. That. Well, he, he Baby Groot doesn't dance in front of Drax. Right. But it's because he wants Drax to like him. <laughs> and right. Drax, Drax isn't. Drax isn't a dancer, and and Groot right. is like doesn't want to be somebody. <laughs> he, uh, he wants okay, to, he I wants was thinking like they him. maybe had a moment where they. Well, he, he reached out and he wanted Drax to hold him in, at the end there with all the fireworks, and, and he did, so I guess... Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. I don't know. I that guess that's it. something. Yeah. That was what I was thinking about. Okay, so what about the reconciliation? What's the message of the movie, do you think? Well, uh, I think... Well, I think it's... I think in all of them, and all the reconciliations that we sort of see take place, like, the first step, I feel like, is always that one or more of the characters always has to sort of admit that they've done something wrong to wreck what 
the relationship was before and that they have to own up to that and 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 try to make amends by you know just like hey I, I, I know I did this thing and <laughs> I'm sorry and can you take me back and all this right, stuff right. and I feel like when it worked it was a good thing to reconcile well the ones that I that I immediately think of are Nebula and Gamora and how they well they didn't really get all the way to reconciliation but they got to the point where now maybe they won't try to murder each other right and, and uh and getting, I think that was really Nebula. Yeah, <laughs> getting Nebula's backstory was really good. I thought it really fleshed out her character. She was just kind of a sociopathic murderer in the first movie. Right. A Terminator <laughs> that couldn't be stopped, you know. Yeah, yeah. And getting her backstory I thought was really helpful. But it's what you said there where they both kind of had to admit that they didn't treat each other well growing up. They were in extreme circumstances and yeah, and were kind of inwardly focused on their own survival and stuff like that. But mm -hmm. well, but I think oftentimes with a a family situation, everybody's perspective is different. Yeah, and so it could be the same the same family, the same environment, very similar circumstances, and your perspective may be completely different. And so there's always that just because you're people right you see things differently and you react differently to those things as well so yeah and so it takes some willingness to hear what the other person is saying and, mm -hmm. and yeah so that's really that's pretty biblical is it isn't it i think of uh jacob and esau reconciling and mm, right that's a really neat story in the bible and and then uh even Jesus's instructions on church discipline, the goal is always reconciliation. Where you, instead of just making a federal case out of it right away, you try to deal <laughs> with things at the lowest possible level. If if your brother offends you, or if you know that your brother has been offended by you, then you know the two of you try to work this out first, and and with the goal of being reconciled. Well, and that was the case of it with with the law as well. I mean, you went to the lower courts and people, and if that couldn't be resolved, then it went higher and mm -hmm. higher up. And, you know, we live in a, a very litigious society <laughs> <laughs> where it's right away, to the top, to the top. Right. Yeah, so that's right. Hmm. So I felt like that was a good, the whole urging, obviously the movie's in favor of reconciliation. Yeah, it's painted as a good thing when yeah, it's accomplished. That's right. That's right. So that's a that's a really decent message coming out of Hollywood. Well, and you mentioned that ego and uh, Peter. Peter, I want to call him Phil. <laughs> Peter Quill. You're mixing his. Uh, you're I'm mixing putting his. him. I'm blending him. Together. He's Phil. <laughs> he still had to reconcile with this man who was his father. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't have that reconciliation with the guy. Maybe he does in a way because he, you know, he has to come to the conclusion that. This relationship can't continue. Yeah, but he still has to to work through all those things. Here's my dad suddenly, and then, yeah, oh, he's my still gonna is, have to deal with yeah. this new this new thing with this Im shocking information. Yes, that was so. one of the funny parts I thought where you could obviously tell that the writers knew 
that we were entering into an area that's been done to death in Hollywood. Right, with the long-lost father <laughs> right. and stuff. And so the they have to have Peter say at some point, you know, you're gone all this time, and now you just want to come back and be my dad. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and it actually has that dopey scene where they're actually playing catch. I know. Oh, man. Once he, like, made that little glue <laughs> ball and tossed it to him, I was like, oh, they're going to play catch. <laughs> Uh, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> and then they did. And they both caught it. I know. I they were good. With. They were doing good. Well, to me, I really, I like that when a movie is self-aware enough to know when it's being stupid. And, yeah, and, that it doesn't take itself too uh, seriously. Right. Yeah. I feel like that's been the downfall of every DC movie I've seen in, in years. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I feel like that's really true. Yeah. They they, they just, can't laugh yeah. at themselves or at anything. Because yeah. uh, it's a comic book. <laughs> right. This is, this is mm, it's still kids stuff, you know, <laughs> really. Right. You can't, like, okay, you can make it kind of gritty and stuff, but... I mean, the whole setting, the whole concept of a superhero movie is ridiculousness. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Well, anyway, that's off the beaten path, so... <laughs> All right, um, so we talked about reconciliation. Any other major themes? What well, you, you got to look at family in here because you have the, family's the, a big, big issue in this yeah. movie. The long lost dad coming and why'd you find me now after all this time? And the and, two sisters. Yeah, and then you have uh, Gamora's offended because he's like spending all this time with his dad and he says, "Well, I found my family." He says, well, I thought you already found your family. So, you know, she was feeling a little cheated and robbed of her yeah, status yeah. because that was the whole end of the last movie. You know, these are my people. This is my crew. Yeah. These are my homies. <laughs> oh, so, my. <laughs> and then, you know, uh, that changed. And But did it change or did yeah. it go back? And then I think even with, uh, with Drax, I was impressed with when he was thinking about his family and Mantis, who is the empath. empath. You know, and he's just sitting there looking like Drax, uh -huh. very unexpressive, <laughs> and yet, you know, she reaches out and touches him, and she's just broken down and crying, and because he's remembering everything that he lost with his family. So yeah. yeah. Well, and then we talked a little bit before about the issue of. I don't. I don't think that this movie meant anything evil by it, but. I think Hollywood in general and the culture in general is kind of really big on this idea that family is just whoever you're close to. And, mm -hmm. and you know, I don't have a huge big issue with that. It's just that, you know, because the Bible does say there is a friend who sticks closer to, closer than a brother. And, mm -hmm. and we've all experienced Christian fellowship with people that we're not related to, and yet it's it's sometimes stronger than bonds that we might have with people we are related to and yeah and so i get that and i get that natural families are not the be all and end all of everything but marxism as a philosophy is all about eliminating family mm -hmm. and family is in the crosshairs of of real marxists and they're trying everything they can do to get rid of it and one of the easy ways to get rid of families is just to kind of define it out of existence. And and so I do understand about people who you feel like they're family and stuff, but 
I don't think we can afford to let go of the biblical idea that families have to do with covenants. You're either in that family covenant through marriage and birth or by a, the covenantal act of adoption. Mm -hmm. And so there really is a definition of what family is. And I just, uh, I think we maybe throw the term around pretty loosely. Well, I think I can agree with you that it is a covenant relationship, but you can have parents that break that covenant and that they're not taking care of their kids and they're not being that uh, parent that they need to be. Yeah. And so that if somebody else comes in and steps in and becomes that surrogate figure. It's filling that role. Yeah, I mean, they're not yeah. necessarily their mom or their dad, but they are, they're there helping to shape and support and encourage and... Um, I think that's important. I think that's huge. That's a, a form of discipleship for for us to be doing and willing to do because those things aren't easy. It's it's easier to say, well, you know, golly, I'm sorry you come yeah. from a broken right, home. Right. Come and have dinner with me and then go back. <laughs> you know, and, and it's really investing your time and your energy and your love into these people that is going to bear fruit. Yeah, and I think you use the exact right word to talk about that. And it's different than family, it's discipleship, which may be a higher thing. You know, when you have bad parents or parents that are horrible or you have an unfaithful husband, the fact that he's unfaithful doesn't mean he's not a husband. He, he's just a horrible husband. And, and so you, you can have families that are very dysfunctional. It yeah. doesn't mean they're not families, they're just terrible families. And, and, uh, and so I don't think we're arguing about anything. I just think my, and it's a minor point that I have. I just hate to see us lose the language and lose the mm -hmm. understanding of what, biblically, what a family is. Covenantal well, unit. <laughs> I still think all families are dysfunctional because we're sinful people. It's just the amount and the severity of that dysfunction. <laughs> and I can't get around it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You you come with sin, and that sin affects and influences how you perceive things. And if you're not saved, those things just continue to grow and yeah. manifest themselves in your family life and in your children. And those things continue, and they are perpetuated. And that's that's a lot of what sin does. And like I say, I think most families have some form of dysfunction. It's just. Yeah, well, all people really have that going on. There's mm -hmm. some amount of dysfunction. Well, <laughs> sure. But I think that can get really magnified in a family situation. <laughs> oh, you got all these people living together. And <laughs> They're all crazy. Uh, well, a, a family that will remain nameless, there was a... I was... Is it us? <laughs> I have a friend. <laughs> It's been a while ago. I was counseling with a guy, and uh, and it really, it really became apparent that it, he he kind of had some mommy issues, you know, and and uh, and so I tried to summarize what he was telling me. I said, "So you're telling me your mom kind of knows how to push all the right buttons on you?" Mm -hmm. And he just looked at me dead serious and said. She installed those buttons in me. <laughs> Not only does she know how to push them, but they're there because of her. They're there on purpose. <laughs> and I just, 
that reminded me, you, your dysfunctional family thing kind of reminded <laughs> me of that. Oh, boy. All right. Well, the other worldview theme that I saw that was pretty evident was having to do with redemption or atonement. Mm, yeah. And we do have several characters during the during the movie who are seeking something to make it better or you know, it's not spiritual atonement and it's definitely not Christian redemption or anything, but uh that's a pretty prevalent theme in our culture that, you know, if you do one bad thing, then you need to do something good to balance it yeah. out. And that's kind of a natural <laughs> religious idea of man. Right. And, of course, we know in the gospel you, you can't do that. Your good works don't balance out your bad works. And only the works of Christ are going to atone for you. Yeah. But still, in a, in a more horizontal way, in person-to-person -person dealings, you know, throughout the Bible, the the touchstone of ethics and justice is restitution, mm -hmm. which does involve paying it back when you can. You right. know, or if you've if you've caused harm, you do what you can to fix it. If you've caused loss, you over you you're the one responsible for paying for that loss. Well, and it's not just paying it back, and you have to provide the extra. Yeah, yeah. compensate. Yeah. 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 Right. Right. Uh, Nobody ever th talks about that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, I'll make us even, but right. that's all I'm going to do. Two hundred percent redemption. Yeah, yeah, and you see that that Jesus commends that sort of thinking even in the New Testament when Zacchaeus falls out of the sycamore tree. Well, it doesn't fall, but climbs down. He climbs down, and Zacchaeus <laughs> is obviously overcome with uh, you know a spirit of repentance and. And his his repentance then is that he's going to vow to pay back anything that he's defrauded and four times over he's going to yeah. pay back and, mm -hmm. and give half of what he has left after that to the poor. And Jesus said, you know, just by just by him saying he's going to do this, Jesus announced, you know, redemption has come to this one or salvation has come to this child of Abraham. Right. And so I do think it's a right and good thing. If you know that you have caused injury or pain, uh, there may not always be something you can do about it, but maybe the only thing you can do is go and confess your sin and, and own up to it and come clean. But a lot of the time there may, you know, you may really need to restore what you took if yeah. it's material or right. something like that. And so, in this movie, I feel like we have redemption being with. preached a lot, or the quest for redemption. Especially, I saw it with Yondu. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. And, and, frankly, I didn't like that part of the plot. I didn't think it was written very well. I appreciated what they tried to do. Sure. But the whole idea with the Ravager code and how he, how he busted the code and and how he's what exiled now or yeah, I guess ostracized he's not allowed. or yeah, sort of look. They've like. excommunicated him, <laughs> right? <laughs> and then because they wouldn't do that, really, would they? Uh, well, maybe if they're real serious about the code, they yeah. seem to care more about it's the not, code than like a pirate does, because that's just guidelines, guidelines. Yeah. suggestions. <laughs> right. The Ravager code—that's some real stuff. What he did, yeah, though, if, if what he did was take those kids to ego and everybody knew what was going on, then that is bad. You right. know, I can see him saying like, 
you're not part of our group. Yeah. But really, the ravagers are upset about things like kidnapping and human trafficking and stuff like that. that Only if it results well, in death. I don't know, because it seems like from what we saw just sort of Peter doing in the first movie when he was just sort of ravaging at the very beginning, yeah. he was just going and taking something that, you know, was He's on this completely feeding. dead planet yeah. where it didn't obviously belong to anyone, just left behind in this old ruin. Right. It's just like, a, like an archaeological... Indiana Jones in space. Well, but just like you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's you know, it's not really anybody. It's just been left behind. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, so I like the story of Yondu here because he does. There are a couple of scenes where he comes clean and confesses that he wasn't always the way he should have been. Yeah, and I like that it's been something that is like kind of hurting him like it's sort of torturing him on the inside that he's been this way <laughs> right right like that's yeah that's kind of well that's, that's a real nice. thing yeah sometimes that happens people who actually have a conscience sometimes that happens so i i mean i appreciated that i appreciated that kind of attention to to how he was dealing with right these feelings i just didn't feel like the ravager code part of the story was all that well done because in one scene you have Rocky Balboa telling him, no, you're out for good, and, and you'll never be one of us. And then the next time we see those guys, they're celebrating his redemption and stuff. Yeah. And Well, but that was all extreme in how that happened as well. Had he just, you know, fallen off a cliff, no one's going to show oh, right. up for that. You know, you have to look at the, the context. Well, how did they know, though? It seemed like it was they very sent out a message. Yeah, somebody they sent, sent out a message the message to all those guys. Who was it? Somebody did. Yeah, the message, a message was, was sent out. And they somewhere. weren't expecting anybody to be there. They thought it was just going to yeah. be them. And then yeah. I suddenly... Think it was, I think it was Rocket or that other guy, that other Ravager guy, sent oh, this yeah, message to guy, all the, the other people guy. just to let them know, hey, this is what's gone down. Yeah. But I yeah. can't remember who it was. Somebody right. sent out a message. We'll have to watch it again. I guess we'll have to watch it again now. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, that was my impression watching it. It just seemed like that whole story arc was very short. Yeah, and, it could have been more... Radical. More uh, well handled. We've only got so much time. You know about that. Well, That's right. I know. That's right. Maybe a couple less baby group scenes. No, no, no you, you gotta keep those. In. <laughs> not <laughs> we need those. more, not less. <laughs> yeah, I want to see. I want a big group movie. <laughs> well, now here's the thing that was on my mind. This was good as a standalone movie. It was good as as a sequel to the first one. Uh huh. But I'm thinking more Marvel Cinematic Universe here, and. Anybody that's paying attention knows we're headed toward Infinity Wars right. with Thanos and the and the gemstones. The Infinity Stones. Yeah, and so, but my one thing that I was left puzzled in the movie is how does that plot advance now? I'm mm. not, I'm not sure that the how it does. Well, I think it, I think it's got to be yeah the Nebula angle because she's still gunning for she's still Thanos. Yeah. She wants to kill Thanos, and so she's gonna go out and like poke the bear or something. Yeah, well, I she's gonna like, try to kill the bear. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think I don't, I'm not an expert, but I think that there's some kind of plot line in the comics where Nebula like goes crazy and and 
I think she might have killed Thanos. See, I don't know anything really for real, Very but right, I think right. that that's been a major sort of plotline is the Nebula so. Thanos thing. So if they wanted to, and that's kind of set up. In yeah, this, one. this has she's, that has kind of been. Set yeah, she's she still obviously has her taken off to go get yeah. him. But well, so it could just be some. Right. And then maybe like Gamora gets pulled in because she's got to go see about her sister. Oh, I'm sure. You know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But uh, so I don't know. That would be more of a Carmen question. Yeah. That's more of a carbon thing. I, th I think that that's <laughs> something, but I don't know. Well, all right. I'll accept that answer for now. Uh, did we find out anything special in the after credits scenes? Man, scenes, plural. Yeah, like three. That was out. I don't think they should do that. That's outrageous. Wait till the credits are over. They had do like your, a pre-credit scene, scene and a mid-credit scene, <laughs> and then the post-credit scene. Um, mm, yeah. Wow. And I'm not sure we learned very lot. much in any of those, did yeah, we? Yeah, I can't even remember what all of them were. There was the teenage group one. Teenage group. And there yes. was a. Uh, was it Stanley and those? Yeah. Those oh, Watcher yeah. guys. Stanley and the Watchers. And. Uh, Dang but nothing that didn't No, do nothing that, that was yeah. like... But I, you know he's got to be in the movie somewhere. Yeah, oh, and I thought know. that was really funny, because I've seen stuff about the Watchers online and about, you know, this whole, like, fan theory You're about right. what if Stan Lee <laughs> is actually in the movies, he's, he's playing the part of a, a Watcher. Because <laughs> I guess all they do is just... They're just observe. observing what's happening in, to the it. heroes. And that's sort of like, okay, yeah, I could see it. And then he showed up there and I was like, nice! It all came together. Well, speaking of that, the first time we saw him with the Watchers was when uh, they're jumping from place right. to place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The first place that they jumped to, something happened there. There's an Easter egg in there somewhere, I'm sure. And I... It happened so fast, I don't think I caught what it was. But it almost looked like maybe it was Thor and the Hulk. Oh, really? In, I in didn't that I miss that. I, I completely would have missed that. Wow, we have to watch it again, I guess. <laughs> right. I told you. Dang it. I don't, at least. I don't know. That's It was a very fast thing, and I huh. thought, wait you a know, second. That's funny that you see that, but there's like all this other stuff that was <laughs> on the screen a while that... <laughs> right. Like whole lines. <laughs> and I... <laughs> And I can never find a hammer here at home, <laughs> or scissors, I can never find... Expand the list, brother. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. That's, that's interesting, though. That's kind of cool. So we'll see. Yeah, so I think we're all agreed it was a good movie, and, and frankly, as far as the thematic content and the, the things that kept on getting pushed in the movie, I was kind of happy with all those messages. There wasn't anything, you know, super pagan. I mean, the the <laughs> background of the whole movie is going to be Marvel universe evolution, yeah, paganism. But but the thematic moral lessons that they're trying to teach in the movie, I thought were all pretty decent. Yeah, so, yeah. Or not offensive, at least. Yeah. I could get behind a couple of them. <sighs> And you could stay awake, and that was really good. I made it through. Nice. I made it through. Did you cry? No, no I didn't cry. I didn't, I didn't cry either. Did you? Did your eyes get no, watery? No, I Nothing. could tell as I was watching it that it that was, was sad coming, and yeah. it was emotional, and I was like, "Oh, this is sad," and I knew that people around me were crying. <laughs> and you said, "Oh." Ah. 
All right, y'all. We should probably wind up the old podcast here. Ride off into the sunset. I thought we were in a spaceship in his room. Well, we jumped to a more western style planet. Oh, that was funny, all those jumps. Yeah, Yeah, that was funny. And the distorted faces. (laughs) Yeah. There were some good times in this movie. Yeah. Pretty cool movie. So I say go watch it. If you haven't seen it, it's uh, there's a lot worse trash on than that. So. <laughs> and there wasn't really any language or right like excessive skin except for Drax. Yeah, a lot of skin. he's always shirtless, but I mean, but he's got all those cool tattoo things. Yeah, so that's like a shirt. Shirt. Sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> We want to encourage the creative Christians who hear these things. Um, the whole reason we're doing it is try to analyze and see how it is that uh, morality and lessons and thematic things and biblical worldview things can actually be preached in a story without being preachy and without being terribly in-your-face obvious yeah. about it. And it would be helpful if Christians got good at doing that. Mm-hmm. That's so right. go out there and get it done. Dominionize. Dominionize. Ooh, I was just thinking. Huh. Well, you should have said it. Well, you, you owe me a quarter, each one of you, for saying No, it. I didn't say oh, it. No. Oh, no. You thought it, though. That's like a half a quarter. <laughs> Bye. Intellectual property. <laughs> All right. See y'all. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Worldview Media Podcast. Please visit reconstructionistradio.com to check out the other podcasts in our network and to download our free audiobooks.